Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Autism in Color with your host, LaBecky Rowe and Siobhan Robinson. Hi, Becky. Hi, Siobhan. How you doing, darling? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Okay, I love it. So here we are. We finally, finally, finally get to talk about you and your journey as the mother of a child with autism, a now adult child with autism. Wow. (laughs) That's all I can say. We know what the deal is today. Where did all of this start for you? So long ago, my journey with autism started. It seems like it's been many, many moons. Mm -hmm. However, I believe um, Christopher was about three years old when he was diagnosed. And how, you know, how did you get to a point where there was a diagnosis? Well, I realized that something was amiss. However, I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. There were certain things that had to be done certain ways when it came to him. And I would have to say, I'm sorry. Give me an example. Sure. I was going to say, like, he used to like these Thomas the Tank Engine trains. But all of this mm-hmm. started after he received that MMR shot. You know, mm-hmm. like so many parents who have spoken on our platform, they stated they noticed differences after the MMR shot. And I would have to say that that is the same for me. So what, what was happening before the MMR shot and what happened after the MMR shot? After the MMR shot, it seems like... He stopped running, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was about 18 months when he received the MMR shot, which is the measles, mumps, and rubella shot. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like he stopped running. So like all the things he was doing, all the things that he was doing in a fast, at at a fast pace, he was now doing doing them a little slower. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what's really going on. Having no idea what was going on. I'm sorry to to cut you off. So you said, so he was doing some things at a fast pace and then he was, he, it seems like things slowed down. Right. So like, like what, what, what were some things? Well, his movement, like anything he did, he, he, he did it fast. Right. So like he would walk, he would run. He, he, he was always smiling though. He always had this smile and it seemed like after the MMR shot, he was just looking at you like, what you looking at me for? Right. Wow. (laughs) Right. And so Uh I really don't know when it set in. I remember, I remember telling my mother, oh, I went to hug Christopher and he didn't want to hug. He kind of like pulled back. Mm-hmm. And then there were times he would act like he couldn't hear when in fact I knew he could hear because when he wanted something, he would come and he would take you to it. Or mm-hmm. we had to walk the same way to the parking garage when we would leave the building that we lived in. Or if we went mm-hmm. to a restaurant, he knew what table we set at last. And so okay. it, was, it was all these things that were playing out. And just the tank engine thing, the Thomas the Tank Engine, he would line mm-hmm. his trains up. He had this fascination with the trains and he would line mm-hmm. them up. And in lining them up, if you were if you would go and you would push one out just to mess with him, he would mm-hmm. tiptoe over. Oh yeah, that's another thing. He's a toe walker, right? He's okay. been a toe walker. And he would tiptoe over there and he would put it back in place and just look at you. He wouldn't say a thing. 
<laughs> did he look did he look at you like he wanted to slap you? <laughs> like what are you like what are you doing? But in this whole in this time though, if we were out and he saw a sign, he could read the sign. But how is it that you're reading the sign and hmm. you're not holding a conversation? So he he would say, Oh, if the sign said exit, he would say, Oh, mm -hmm. exit. Okay, okay. So he knew how to read. Right. I told him to read using Hooked on Phonics, but it seems like he knew how to do, he knew these things before we dived in to uh, teach him to read, to write, just that whole thing. So he, he, was, he was developing naturally in terms of his ability to, to read, to uh, receive language through words on paper and stuff like that. Right. So if you put down, so you know how you buy the words for your kids and you put them down on the floor and you say, hand me the word that says I or was. I mean, not that mm -hmm. I is a word, it's a letter. However, you would ask him to hand you these different words. Hand me the word that says dog, cat. And he could do that. He could put puzzles together and um, just he could add, he could do math. All these things he was able to do. And he was three, he was three years old at this time, but he, mm -hmm. he was able to do them, but he just had no language. And I remember my mother saying, well, you all need to put him in daycare because he needs to be around other kids. That might be it. Okay. And did you? I did. And what happened? And the teacher at the daycare said to me, after a couple of weeks of him being there, she said he's able to do the work, but he's not interacting with the other kids. Wow. He prefers to play alone. He, he prefers to play alone. And she said something about him moving his fingers. Okay. Okay. And what, what did she mean by that? And did you notice the same thing? She says, she, she said to me, he would put his fingers in front of his face and he would move them around. And it's like he was looking at him. Right. So I would have to say that maybe I noticed it. And mm -hmm. I would always push, put my hand over his hand to tell him to stop. Okay. So that he wouldn't do it. So was that after the teacher said something or before that you would tell him to stop? I think I noticed it as well, but it wasn't, okay. it wasn't like he was doing it a lot. And so maybe he was overstimulated at daycare. So he was doing it often. Okay. Whereas so at like home, him. say that again. I was going to say, so it was like he was stimming. Yes. I would say yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So how did you go about getting the diagnosis? What did you have to do? I remember I, I took him to his pediatrician and it was a, it was two pediatricians in one office. And so mm -hmm. Christopher's pediatrician wasn't there that day. So we had to see the other pediatrician. And I remember he said to me in getting Christopher to speak, he said to me, and I was, you know, I would say, oh, he's saying this. He says, well, more than you should know what he's saying at this age. So I was kind of mm -hmm. offended. Mm -hmm. I can see that. And see. like, what the hell said, are you talking about, mister? <laughs> right. How do you say that to me? I can understand what he's saying. People mm -hmm. need to listen a little better, maybe. But mm -hmm. I got it. And he said to me, you know, you need to send a letter to your school board so that your school board can do some testing. Mm hmm to see what's going on, if anything. And I said, okay. Gotcha. But before I did that, because 
I knew that at times folks would speak to Christopher and he wouldn't speak or say anything. He would just look at them. So someone mm-hmm. recommended that I get him his hearing tested. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I set out to get his hearing tested and we saw an audiologist and in seeing her, a pediatric audiologist, and in seeing her, she said that his hearing was fine. And I like to consider her our guardian angel because it was her that directed our path after that. Because she said to me, I think I, I think that I know what he has. Mm, mm-hmm. okay. She says, I have a friend at the Snyder School. I can give mm-hmm. her a call or you could give her a call. I says, well, you can. She called right then and there. Good for her. Friend. But she she was really, really caring and informative. Okay. And she 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 really directed our path. And she's she called the friend. The friend was on vacation. She said, mm-hmm. she's on vacation. I'm leaving her a message. But here is her name and number. And you can give her a call as well. Okay. Okay. That's cool. It, it was good that she she did take a very hands-on position with it. She as did. As opposed to just, okay, well, here's the number. Have at it and good luck, <laughs> you know. So well, she, his hearing she, is uh, fine. And um, right. yeah, that's and it. Let, and let it go. Exactly. So she she took a um, an exceptional interest in making sure that you got connected to where you needed to be. So like right. you said, she, she was a guardian guardian angel in that respect. She really was because she was she was in tune and mm-hmm. she was aware of what the diagnosis might be. Gotcha. Gotcha. I guess she'd seen enough kids by that time who they thought Absolutely. might be having hearing problems. And it was this other thing going on with them. Absolutely. OK, so uh, you got in touch with the lady. Yes. With the other doctor. I'm assuming it's a lady. So you got it was it was a lady. Okay, and she was a social worker. Go her, much like (laughs) yourself. Okay, yes, you know I am child, (laughs) licensed clinical social worker and things. Don't forget that um, license part. No, please don't. I worked hard for that. (laughs) You need to know. Uh, So okay, so you got in touch with her. And was it all in one like sitting that he was diagnosed? Like how did how how was that process? Well, we scheduled an appointment for testing. Mm-hmm. And we took Christopher in. And when I say we, his dad and I took him in mm-hmm. for testing. And and you know the process after that. You, you go in for testing, then you have to wait for the results. Okay. Okay. Were you were you able to observe the testing or they just took him in? You know what? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. I'm curious to know, and for having known Chris for as long as I have, it's like, I'm interested to know, like, did he go with the person willingly or, you know, did you have to be there too? If I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember. I remember we went into a room. No. So you know what? No, they took him in. Right. So he was allowed to go in. Mm-hmm. We were able to watch him through a window. OK, so they had the double mirror thing. Yes. OK. Yes. 
or the see-through mirror. And we could hear them ask him to do certain tasks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you got to watch his responses? Yes. Okay. And then, so you had to wait. How yes. About how long did you have to wait for the results? I want to say about three weeks. Okay. So were you like on pins and needles at that time or you were just like, whatever it is, it is? Pretty much because, you know, I didn't know what they were testing for. They just, mm -hmm. they were just doing, a, is it called a barrier of testing? A battery. Battery. I'm sorry. Oh God, that was mm -hmm. out. A battery of testing. <laughs> yes. Okay. So they did they did a bunch of different tests. That's what that means. Yes. So they they tested him in a lot of different areas. Yes. And um okay. And now it's three weeks later and the results are back. What happened? Yes. So his dad, my mom, and myself, as well as Christopher, went in for the results. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were in this little small, narrow room. We came in and they had things there for him to play with. And he started playing with them. And they started telling us that the social worker, it's like she braced us for the, the, the results. Mm -hmm. And she says, your son has what they call, or what we're calling, or what's called autism. Okay. Um, what did that feel like? Were you, were you aware of what autism was by then? Had you been able to like do any research or anything like that? No, because I had no idea what his diagnosis is going to be. And when she said he has autism, and then I remember her explaining what autism was. Mm -hmm. But then the bummer was, she mm -hmm. stated, there is no cure. That's mm -hmm. what she said. And she said he has severe autism. Wow. And at that time, he had no language. Did she explain what that meant? severe autism yes she did okay. because it's, it, it was kind of like you know following cues for doing what kids his age was doing so is okay. is he really doing is he able to do those things and then mm -hmm. you know what there was there was something else too i knew that something was wrong because i remember my nail lady this is so crazy her and i had our kids around the same time and I remember going into the nail place and her son was zipping his jacket. It was like he was tying his shoe, all kinds of stuff. And Chris was nowhere near that. I was like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. And so after the diagnosis, it, it brought everything to the surface pretty much for me. Okay. As so to why. Okay. As to so why he was not clarity. meeting. Right. Meeting these milestones. Okay. So once you heard the diagnosis, what what was that initial news like for you? Shocking. 
disbelief. You know, what do I do next? Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. What's next? It was emotional, very emotional. I was going to say, what did it feel like? It, it felt, it felt like I was hitting the gut because I didn't know. I didn't know what was next. I remember, you know, we all departed. We departed the location. My mom went home. Bernard and I went back to the house with Christopher. And um, and I was crying. I was crying. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was next. And what so, is autism? Right. And computers were new at that time. Mm-hmm. In 1998, I guess it was. So what did you do? Well, I went home and I cried. I remember see- receiving a call from my dad who told me not to worry that everything was going to be cool. And I thought that was real cool. He really made me cry when he called me, I have to say. Um, so then I began to research, like, what is autism? What can I do? How can I help him? You know, mm-hmm. I had to pull up my bootstraps and jump in, jump into this, into his world, pretty much. I had to go into his world, figure out how can I help him to be successful? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And, and I remember, so now with the diagnosis, from the Snyder School, he, it turns out he was able to attend that school. Cool. So because he'd been tested there. Right. So he was automatically, he automatically became a a student and a client of theirs. Yes. Great. That's great. Yeah. It was was great in that Long Island. That was a trek every day. (laughs) Yes. But they had a school bus. Okay, cool. He got on the school bus? Yes. Y'all let Chris get on the school bus? <laughs> yes. At the age of what? He was three. Y'all let Chris get on a school <laughs> This is news to me, ladies and gentlemen. This is news to me. Because you know prior to that, he had a nanny coming in. Becky and Bernard allowed Christopher Rowe to get on a school bus at the age of three. Unheard of. Unheard. Wow. Okay, you just blew me. Head explosion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but you know, we took them for a while, but then, you know, that that ride became a little long. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And with that said, we will take a brief pause for the cause, and we will be right back with Autism in Color with LaBecky and Siobhan. Hello, world. This is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color, streaming on Google, Spotify, Apple, and iHeart Podcasts. If you have a story you'd like to tell about autism spectrum disorder and you'd like to join us for one of our autism talks, drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. 
or you can give us a call at 704-835-3605. We're waiting to hear from you because here at Autism in Color, we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. This segment is being brought to you by Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center, serving young adults with ASD ages 17 through 40 and their caregivers since 2018. Check out our website and get to know more about us and find out about our upcoming events. You can find us at letstalkaboutittheautismcenter.org. You can email us at letstalk1922 at gmail.com or you can call us at 704-835-3605. Let's talk about it. The Autism Center and Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Autism in Color with Lebecky and Siobhan. And today we are speaking with the one and only Lebecky Rowe regarding her journey through autism with her son, Christopher. So Becky, you got the diagnosis. The family, I'm sure that they rallied around you. They did, they really did. Okay. And you know, what was it like for everyone as far as you could see? You know, prior to Christopher getting here, he was loved. Mm-hmm. And the mere fact that he was now here and we had the diagnosis of, the diagnosis of autism, the love just intensified mm-hmm. and became okay. more. And okay. we, we, we rallied together and everyone did, everyone did their part. Okay. So what, what changed for you day to day? once he got the diagnosis so prior to well prior to the diagnosis i i had been teaching him to read using hooked on phonics mm-hmm. so we continued that we continued with the numbers it was just now i knew that i really needed to meet him where he was i need to get down there on the floor and just teach him how to do different things instead of pointing when he would point to items now that he wanted. I wanted him to say the items because now I know that you have a voice and you can say it. You say these random words. So you have a hundred words that you may know, but you're just not using them in a sentence. So we're going to teach you how to speak in a sentence. And, And it wasn't every time he was able to do it, but sometimes he was able to do it. And that gave me hope and it gave us hope. And with that, you know, I knew in doing my research that I needed to get a neurologist for him. I needed Mm -hmm. to get him speech therapy as well as occupational therapy, because like I said previously, he's a toe walker. And so it seems that toe walking and autism go together. That's what they wanted to make me believe. However, I'm Mm -hmm. a toe walker. My brother was a toe walker, still is. And so was my dad. So I believe that it was a family trait rather than. Gotcha. Gotcha. So he came from a long, he came from a long line of toe walkers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A whole 
two other generations at least of toe walkers. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now you you got the neurologist lined up, the OT, the speech. So what happened once you went to the neurologist? Well, I found a neurologist and I remember we went out to Garden City to see this neurologist. And in I remember her coming out and she was talking to her staff behind the glass, not necessarily behind the glass, but, you know, sitting in the area that they were sitting. And then he and I were called to the back and in going to the back into her office, you know, she was on the phone at the time. And I'm like, okay, um, you knew we were coming in, like, why are you on the phone? But I understand, you know, sometimes doctors may have to take calls. So I sit at, at her desk in her office and Christopher and I are sitting there and he has this book from Hooked on Phonics that he, he he's carrying with him. And I remember her looking at me. She looked at him and she said, I don't know. I don't know what the conversation was prior to her saying to me that the fact that he could read, it's only rope reading. He's, he's reading from memory and that all he's going to be, he is right now and that he'll never know you left the room. Wow. So she had a really bleak. Yes. A really bleak prognosis. Yes. Prognosis for him. Yes. Okay. Okay. And what what she, did that feel? That must have been devastating. And so, 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 so I'm there, right? And I'm just, and I'm looking at her. I'm like, you haven't spent five minutes with this kid and you're already saying what he will not be capable of. And she even went so far as to ask me to leave the room to show that he wouldn't even know I was going. Wow. So if you left the room, how would you know that he didn't know? Because what happens is, so he was walking around her room, right? So he started walking around her room. So he was walking away from the door area. And mm-hmm. I remember her saying to me, oh, you can, you can leave and he won't, he won't know that you're gone. I was like, what? And I was like, nah, nah, nah. And so I remember, and, and then she said to me. Did you leave? No, I went partially out the door, but I can see. And so now I'm looking back and he's looking at me. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, there's a kid in the waiting room. When you go out, this neurologist was off the hook. She said, when you go out there, you, that kid that's in the waiting room won't even notice you. And when I tell you that kid did not notice us because he was standing in the chair on the couch and he was up on the wall and I remember looking down at Christopher to see if he saw, if he was looking at the kid and cause I'm looking at the kid and I'm looking at him and I'm trying to figure out like really what's going on. Right. Did Chris notice the kid? I don't know if they, no, I don't know. But the kid didn't notice us. That's for sure. Okay. But I mean, your brain was probably in a fog by that time anyway. I was just getting ready to say it was allergy season. My brain was foggy. I, I just came out of this room with this lady who's telling me, this, that, and the next. Don't expect much. What and was that like? Because that that's so what a- it was it was sad. It was just sad. 
you know, uh, I didn't know whether to cry or grab her by the throat. <laughs> I hear that. I didn't know what to do. Okay. So was your family with you at that time when you went to the neurologist? No, it was just Chris and I. Okay. And okay. we came outside and I remember I looked up at the sky and I was like, dear God, this can't be. Like, right. I looked down at him. I looked up and I was like, ooh, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was much taller than him then. And now he's much taller than you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this little handsome dude is down there dressed to impress, I know. Yes. And he's looking up at you and you looking down at him. And he's like, what? Exactly. <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, what do you want from me? Right. I'm just I'm just chilling here. OK, so now now you get this horrible prognosis. How do you move from there? Well, you know me, I can't I, I had to I had to um, I had to continue to move forward. This mm -hmm. was not this was not the end. Like this is just one one person's opinion, right? And, and right, you know, doctors don't always get it right, right? And right. so, what'd you do? I remember I went to see. So there was this this there was this call for testing for folks with autism, they were doing a study. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to that and this doctor spent about an hour, maybe two with Christopher. And again, he diagnosed him with severe autism because he, remember he had no language. He just, you, you, you said do this and he just would do it or he wouldn't, right? So, so I'm sorry to disrupt you, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so, you know, they give him a battery of tests mm -hmm. and they ask him to, you know, whatever they were asking him to do. Mm -hmm. Can you, what is it that they ask him to do? Can you, can you tell me how many of these are fruit, right? Mm -hmm. What are fruit? Is this a fruit? I don't know. And I'm just giving examples because I really don't know exactly what he was doing with him. But I right. remember he was asking him questions and he was asking him to do things and gotcha. for, and whether he could do it or not, he did it. If he couldn't do it, he didn't do it. So again, with the battery of testing. So, and then he, he diagnosed him with severe autism. Right. And he said, there's a home what? out in Long Island. Whoa. There's a, a waiting list. Yeah. He was like, there's a, home in Long Island. There's, I'm sure there's a waiting list, but if you, you can get your name on it. I'm like, what? But I was on my menstrual cycle. I was just in a daze. And I just remember like, oh my God, I can't take too many more of this. Uh, I can't take any too many more of these, or of this negative, these negative um, comments or negative reviews or negative just stuff. It was just, it was, yeah. it was just operation overload. Like my brain. So, my question to you is what, 
what to your to your knowledge at that time what deemed him to be quote unquote or to have quote unquote severe autism what he made had, that determination was it because no, he had no language yes okay. and remember he was still but he like, did have language <laughs> but just remember he was just like three or four at the time like how right. can you this kid, like, this kid is three. He's four years old, like, in between three and four. And you're saying you, you, you're you're saying that he's not going to be capable, basically capable of anything. Like, he's right. doomed. He's done. And that's it, miss. You know what? Thank God for progress. Thank God for studies. Thank God for, you know. Determination. Because, and determination. Because, you know, you figure... That was very early on in all of this autism stuff, right? Well, at least as far as we know. In the 90s, yes, because it in was the, in the 90s. And I just... Right, that's <laughs> when things started really taking off. So they didn't... There was only so much that they probably knew at that time anyway. Exactly. And c then compared to now is like light years, you know? Yes. Um, with what they know about autism, as well as the abilities, the capabilities of individuals with autism, the Elon yes. Musk of the world, the you know, you, all of these guys that 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 are brilliant minds that have autism. Yeah, so the capabilities are are incredible. Um, so now you got this. Huh? No, I was going to say, but once we put things in place as far as OT and, and, and speech, things started to come around. He, he, he was able to attend a Snyder school. So he was getting speech there and he was getting speech outside mm -hmm. and all things work together for the common for good. good. Yeah. For the good of them. Who loves yes. Them. I'll right. say God is good because he started to come around and he started to talk and just we did what is it called chelation. I remember we did chelation and that is removing mercury from your system. Okay. Well, so was, was it something process. he had to it was something he had to, to ingest? How, what is, yes. how did that work? It was it was a powder that you would put into his drink. Okay. And um I remember the the teacher assistant at the Snyder School, mm -hmm. he recommended a doctor to us because she saw the progress in someone else, a parent that she knew or a friend, someone. And um, she recommended them. And in recommending, in recommending that doctor, he was an older doctor too. He was really good though. They did allergy testing. They did all this testing. And then we started with the removing the mercury from his system. And it really worked, I have to say. And then one day I picked him up from the Snyder School and he was he was a talking. Okay. Like, Go ahead, what? Chris. So, okay, so he went to the Snyder School until what age? Five. To age five. So now he's started Resident. kindergarten? Yes, he started kindergarten. Fresh okay. Meadows. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he started kindergarten. What was that like? What was that transition like for him? And how was he received at the school? Well, the Fresh Meadows School was a school for, in Fresh Meadows, it was a school for uh, special needs kids. 
Okay. And so you had them, you know, you know, you had kids from every IDD, autism. They may have had some physical disabilities, but he was placed mm-hmm. in a in a classroom with this teacher. She was she was great. She was phenomenal. I'll just say that. Okay. She's phenomenal. And what what made her phenomenal in your eyes? She she took to him. It, it was like anywhere he went, people just like they they gravitated to him. Even if they didn't like, even if they didn't like me, they liked him. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's not to like? <laughs> so I was cool with that. I was cool with that. But no, she was a great teacher though because she welcomed she welcomed welcomed him in. And the mm-hmm. mere fact that he was able to do things so like he was able to read once he got to kindergarten you know he was reading he was writing and he loved to sing this kid so he could sing mm-hmm. at this time too so he, he could just do anything that you know the teacher asked and I remember her allowing him to read to the class and so once 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 I saw that I was like oh no my son needs what is it called he needs to have some kids that he can look up to, that he can learn from. What is that? I forget the word that I'm looking for. But he, right. needs to, so he, he needs to be able to mirror someone else instead of these kids the mirroring, 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 mirror, mirroring him. Got you. So you didn't necessarily want for him to be the example. You wanted someone else to be an example for him as well. Exactly. Got you. Someplace where he could learn from someone else. Exactly. Okay. So how, how did that go? Well, we were able to get him placed in a, into another classroom. And in that classroom, we had the high functioning. Because at this point, Christopher, now he was PDD, pervasive developmental disorder. Because once he turned five and he was going to kindergarten, I k- kindergarten, I took him. Thank you. <laughs> I took him to see another neurologist and this neurologist was in Manhattan and it was a male and um, mm-hmm. it went pretty well. And, and at this time, you know, he's, he's, he's doing the work. He's doing the work. He's taking spelling tests. He's doing math. He's reading. He's, mm-hmm. he's doing all this stuff. Right. And he said, well, he has PDD. It's still autism. It's still on autism spectrum, but now he's moved up a scale too. Okay. And that was with all of the hard work with the speech therapy in the school, um, yes, working ma'am. with that teacher who saw the promise in him and all and, of that good stuff. And, 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 and me working at home mm-hmm. to ensure that we were, whatever they were, we were marrying, I can't even say it, mirror, mirroring we were doing whatever they were doing at school. We were implementing it at home. There you go. So it was, he was, he was getting the same instruction yes. across the board. Okay. Yes. Consistency. Yes. Gotcha. Which, you know, kids thrive in. <laughs> yes. Right? And Which you know, he needed that. Some, some level of consistency. Right. And he, he needed that organization and that structure. He needed to know what was next and what he was doing, what's to come, mm-hmm. what what are we removing? I like all talk, kids. What are we what are we removing? Mm-hmm. All kids all kids need that. They yes. need that structure. They need that stru- we all need that structure. We all benefit from it. 
yeah, predictability and such. Yes, he really started to thrive. And music was his thing back then. And I remember that's the first place that school fresh in Fresh Meadows was his first experience with a talent show. Okay. So so he sang? Yes. Money, 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 money. What? Yes. The OJs? Yes. What do you know about the OJs? Yes, he did. <laughs> he ahead. had on a, he had on overalls and they had they were like farmer overalls with stripes. He had the hat. He and then they had the train. It was it was amazing. Okay. His, good for his them. grandparents came out to see him. He was he was the star. He did that too. He really Go did. ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Go, I love it. I love it. Okay, so good. So good. So now so he's starting regular school, right? Well, I mean, Fresh Meadows was for children with special needs. Yes. Um, was that just for kindergarten or did he continue thereafter? Oh no, he continued thereafter. Okay. He went there up until until we moved here to Charlotte. Okay. Okay, so he went to Fresh Meadows until y'all came down to Charlotte. And right. what was it like once y'all got here? It was, it, you know, moving to Charlotte at that time, it was very difficult because now we are reintroducing ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's like we were starting over. And because they had not gotten his records or anything from the school in New York as of yet, they placed him in a self-contained classroom. And they also put him in second grade? In the second grade, yes. When he was supposed to be going to third, right? Right. So he repeated second grade. Right. He repeated second grade, but at the time I was unaware. And mm -hmm. I have to say it probably was for the better because mm -hmm. by the time they figured it all out, it was a win. Okay, good. For us. Good, good, good. Okay. So they put him in a self-contained classroom. Right. Put him in now, a was, that, was that different from when... He, where he was going in Fresh Meadows? Absolutely, it was different. Because now you have him back to planting sand and pouring water? No. To doing what? Playing in, playing oh, in playing sand, sand and, and pouring, pouring water. water. Well, okay. He was, he was not getting any... There were no academics. And so, okay. therefore, I had to continue to advocate for him in order for them to give him work. Because, you know, with a kid that's on the spectrum, if they're not using it, they could lose it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember going there and advocating and advocating and advocating. And finally she started giving him work separate from the other students. Also, they allowed him to go into class for math, another classroom, an outside classroom for math, as well as um, reading. 
Okay, so he he would leave the he would leave his his self-contained classroom to go into a general education classroom for those yeah, for reading you. and math. Yes. Okay. Was that part of his IEP? His yes. Yeah, so his... they made it part of his IEP because because I kept advocating, I kept saying that you know my my son can do more than just this. He can read, he can write, he can do math. He can do all these things. And I think it's unfair for him to have to sit in this classroom in a self-contained classroom when he's capable. And so with that being said, they placed him in general education, right. two general two general education classes, as well as he would go out for specials. And so he would do his specials gotcha. with the other students and he would go to general education for math class and for, I guess, English. Okay. And what, what did the specials consist of? Gym, art, music, those type of things. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And how did he do going into going fr from the uh, or transitioning from the self-contained classrooms to the general education classrooms? He did well. He he really did okay. well. And I was going to say because when we moved here, we moved here in November. So therefore, there there was no room for him at his home school. So we were going to his, he was going to a school that was a little further away. And okay. when they had, I guess, open access where you can go and visit the different schools to see, we mm -hmm. went to his home school. And the principal, I remember her saying that if you bring him here, I will put him in regular ed. Wow. So then that became your goal. Yes. Yes. That was my mission. Okay. And um, we were able to get him there. Okay. Yeah. So he went into, he switched schools and went into general education. Yes. A regular third and grade classroom. Was he pulled for anything? He had a, he, there was an assistant in the classroom. She wasn't just for him, but him as well as other students that were in the class. But it was a it, it worked out so well. Good. And so good. what they did was because you know, a kid that's on the spectrum, sometimes they need breaks. So he he'll do work sometimes and then he'll get that break. He might be able to go on the computer or he might be able to go over here and play this game. So they were able to give him the breaks that he needed for him to be successful in the classroom. Okay. Okay. Well, good for him. And the and kids were such they were a they were a lot of help. They loved him. They helped him. Pretty much they did everything for him because he would allow it if they would, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember you told me, um, that's before I moved here one day, Chris was in school or you had stopped in the classroom or something like that. And this little girl asked him if she wanted him to tie his, if he wanted her to tie his shoe. <laughs> And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <And> he left. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, still today he can't tie his shoes. So, yes, he did not care. He would ask the teacher. It didn't matter. Can you tie my shoe? And they would tie his shoe. I was like, good for you. Whatever works, kid. Whatever works, kid. I am not mad at him for that. Work it out, Chris. When Work he got to out, junior Chris. high school, when he went to junior high school, which is middle school here, he went to middle school. He went to 
in art school because he could sing again, he could sing. And so he was able to audition and get in and he was able to go okay. to this, um, this art school here in Charlotte. Well, it's called Northwest School of the Arts. He was able to get into Northwest School of the Arts because he was taking music lessons and the, and the, his music teacher came and played the piano for him so that he can sing for his audition. Yes. So he auditioned and he got in. And I remember in that school, he acted like he couldn't do anything. And um, I remember them saying to me, Oh, Christopher can't open his juice. I'm like, What? (laughs) I didn't get here. He was working that situation, honey. He really was. And then he would look at me like, you know, you like really need to mind your business. You need not come here and tell him what I can do because I'm working this right here. Okay. He's like, you messing up my my flow, lady. (laughs) You are messing up my flow. And once I caught on, I just started laughing. I was like, oh my God, my son is playing these people. Yeah. For all they were worth, honey. For all they were worth. Points in the game. Okay, so did did he ever have any problems? I know you said that um, the the students really received him well, so that's definitely a good thing. Did he ever have any problems with peers, with bullying or anything like that? The bullying took place when he got to high school. So throughout elementary school and middle school, the kids were welcoming, they were kind, they would help him, they were giving, they were very, very helpful. Now we get to high school and, you know, he can go off by himself now. He doesn't need my help, you know, because I remember when he started middle school, I would go and I would sit in the classroom with him until they got it together. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once they got it together and they realized that I was going to be there every day, they figured it out so that I didn't have to be there every day. I didn't want to be there because it was too early in the morning. Let's start there. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. It's killing me. However, I had to do what I had to do because I needed to know who I was and <laughs> what he meant to me. You know what I mean? And that we ride at dawn. Right. <laughs> we ride at dawn over here. That's right. You can look at me like you're crazy if you want to, but you better know this one right here, y'all gonna take care of him. And they did though. They really did. Um, Northwest School of the Arts, was a, it was a great school. It was a lot of work. Though. It was a lot of work. Ooh, mm-hmm. I felt like I was going back to school. But Okay. Well, they taught you a few things. They did. Okay. Okay. So when he got to high school, there was some bullying. Tell me about that. So the bullying, I think the bullying didn't take place until he was in the 11th grade. And what was going on? So you had this, this one girl who was very kind to him though. She would help him. But if she was having a bad day, she would take out her aggravation aggravation on him mm. but he would act mm. like oh no no she's 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 really not bothering me yes she is because she is determining your mood so like she was playing with his emotions and so at this point he was able to tell whether it was good if she was hurting his feelings right and so he couldn't mm-hmm. express that she was hurting his feelings, but I could tell by 
general conversation or I, I would ask him because each day I would ask him, you know, if something took place in school, I, I need you to let me know if something happens. How was your day? Did this, did that. So, you know, you have to ask a bunch of questions. So I would ask him a bunch of questions as to what was going on. And, you know, it was it depended on how he would answer them. And if he answered them in a way it seemed to to have affected him then I would delve a little deeper. Gotcha. And, and so he indicated that this girl was bugging him in some kind of way. Right. And then I think someone else let me know because she was passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. she, she really was. But then there was another girl who was taking his lunch. What? Yeah, so he would come home and tell me that I didn't make his lunch. What? I'm like, what? You stood right there. You watched me make your lunch. What are you talking about? He was like, no, you didn't mm -hmm. put so-and-so in my, in my lunchbox. And I'm like, what? Yes, I did. And so then I finally asked, you know, like, after a few days of this, I'm like, what's going on, Chris? And then he let me know that in his first period class, this girl was taking his lunch. And so I told him he needed to let the teacher know. Mm -hmm. And so there was a conversation had and it was done. I think I may have written a note. Mm -hmm. For him to give to the teacher because first I let him tell the teacher and then I wrote a note gotcha. to give to the teacher and then it, it ceased. Okay, <laughs> like yeah, I don't need me to come up there. And do it. it ceased. <laughs> However, the one chick that was that was passive aggressive with him, I did go up there and I spoke with an administrator, and she asked to me, it felt like, how are you coming here complaining or saying that your son is being bullied by a girl? What? Girls are the biggest bullies. You don't know, miss? Exactly. Exactly. And so I had to step to the girl myself because, you know, they weren't handling So me. how did that go? You stepped, now you step in the kids. <laughs> you talking about, I beat the kids. <laughs> how, did that, how did that go? It went well. So I'm sure it had a, good, a happy ending. But um, so... Okay, so did you have a conversation with her? Yes, I did. I had a conversation with her. Of course, she was very defensive. And mm -hmm. first I asked her to step outside of the school. So we, st we were staying in front of the school because I didn't want to be in the vestibule area speaking with this young girl. So mm -hmm. we stepped outside and um, had a conversation with her. And of course, like I said, she became de defensive and she became uh, argumentative. And she became aggressive. Aggressive towards you? Yes, but I held my ground, you know. I'm, yeah. You know, and, and when I say aggressive, with her words, with her with her demeanor. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Okay. But then you know so, that only that only excite in, in incited me. So mm -hmm. so okay, so it ended in a in a positive way. You you basically said leave my son alone or treat him better or do something, but you cannot mistreat him. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna be nice to him today and then tomorrow because you come to school angry. You want to take it out on my son. We're, we're not gonna play those games. I said, mm -hmm. you see, you see this kid right here? He's loved. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to say a few other things. <laughs> we'll leave that for another another show
Um, okay, so there was some bullying. Fast forward, it's time for Christopher to graduate. How did y'all handle that? Oh, it was a great moment in time. All our hard work. I used to tell Christopher, if you do your part, I'll do mine and we'll get through mm -hmm. this. And so I would have to say that I did everything to ensure that Christopher would graduate high school with a high school diploma. If I had to get a tutor and we, we used a tutor for math, we used mm -hmm. a tutor to help him with his homework. Because like I said, homework was more difficult in middle school than it was in high school. Mm -hmm. We, I used to take him to, I don't know if anyone has heard of, if you all have heard of Linda Mood Bell, that is a reading program. I took mm -hmm. him to someone who specialized in that to help him to read. Because if you know anything about autism, reading is one thing, but understanding what you're reading is another. And for mm -hmm. kids who are on the spectrum, that could be a little difficult. So writing gotcha. passages or you give them a one line mm -hmm. and you say, hey, tell me about your weekend. Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that can be difficult. So I was able to get a tutor for him for that as well. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you, you, put, you put whatever pieces that needed to be put in place, you, you got them there. I really did. I had someone coming in twice a week helping with homework. I had a young man who would tutor him in math because he had, he was taking algebra in school and he had to take those tests. Mm -hmm. And of course I didn't know anything about it. Algebra. Mm -hmm. And, and then I would take him to the lady who used the Linda, the Linda mood bell format. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So now um, the what's next, right? He's graduated high school. What, um, what did you do after that? Oh boy. That was something I was waiting for. Right. I was like, Oh, when he graduates high school, it's going to be all over. No, it was just the beginning. <laughs> it was so just now, the beginning. Yeah. So with, and with that being the beginning, we will take a brief pause for the course and we'll be right back with LaBecky and Siobhan on Autism and Color. Hi, this is LaBecky of Autism and Color. If you are listening to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, or Google, we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. That's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. We want to hear your feedback, your thoughts on our shows. If you would like to be on our show, to do a commercial on our show, drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. That's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you because we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. This segment is being brought to you by Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center, serving young adults with ASD ages 17 through 40 and their caregivers since 2018. Check out our website and get to know more about us and find out about our upcoming events. You can find us at letstalkaboutittheautismcenter.org. You can email us at letstalk1922 
at gmail.com or you can call us at 704-835-3605. Let's talk about it. The Autism Center and Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Autism in Color with Lebecky and Siobhan. Today we are speaking with Lebecky about her journey in this thing called autism. So now Chris has graduated high school. What was his what's next? Really, with all the planning and the working hard and ensuring that he was able to get through high school and that he was able to participate in plays, or should I say musicals and what do you call those things? Musicals and he participated in a lot of musicals with Masterworks School of the Arts. With Masterworks School of the Arts, he was able to participate in musicals where he had to dress up and dress down and he had little parts in the different plays. And this came through, this came with the same lady who played the piano for him when he auditioned at Northwest School of the Arts. And so he was able to get into the program at at Masterworks School of the Arts. And so I think that that helped to to motivate him. And Mm -hmm. he was was working within his passion because music is his passion. And so when all that stopped, once he turned 17, 18, and you say, what was next? Well, I found this great school over in South Charlotte, and I can't remember the name of it. And they had a great program. And I remember he had had to audition. Well, he had to be interviewed to get in. And I was like, oh, my God, is this kid going to talk? And um, he did well. They really liked him. He really took off there, too, because, you know, he has this great sense of humor and his sense of Yes, his sense of humor is what wins folks over. And the mere fact that, you know, he was capable of doing the work. And so that program really worked out for him. And I can't think of the name of the school. I'm so sorry. So he was what, able- did, what did he learn there? He just, continued, they- he just continued with his academics. And then they would go out to different job sites. And they would go out, I think, twice a week to restaurants and stuff like that. And and just sit down and eat and do takeout. So he just learned to be more independent. Gotcha. So he he got those kind of day-to-day skills that young adults have. Right. And they taught him how to cook. He would have to come up with a recipe and that Somebody. he wanted to make. And then they went to the supermarket and they would go shopping. And so life like skills. Yes, life skills. Life skills. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And to okay. advocate for himself. See, that's a life skill, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then after that, I know, we were able to, go ahead. I was, I was about to say, I know he went to college. Right. So I have this girlfriend, Yvette, who told me about Winter University and they had a program there for people on the spectrum as well as other disabilities. Mm-hmm. And you had to interview. So he had to interview to get in. And um, he interviewed, I remember my girlfriend, Alicia, she practiced with him questions. She would ask him questions that the interviewer may ask so that Mm -hmm. he would be able to answer them when he went for his interview. And uh, he did fairly well. Okay. He did well. 
So he got into that school. How was that experience for the family? Ooh, it was just a long drive. Let's just say that every single day. Okay. So you had to take him to the campus. Right. So either I would take him and his dad would pick him up or vice versa. Okay. So did, was he able to maneuver his way around the campus or did he have somebody to go with him? Did he have like an escort? No, he had to get to his classes himself. So they would have them, they had a tracking like on their phones. They had to put some kind of app so that they would let them know that they made it to their class and things of that nature. So they showed them the campus and he had to, he had to work it on his own, but he had, a, he had help in the classroom. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, and what types of things did he learn in that program? Now you're stretching. I remember he learned how to maneuver around the library because he, he worked at the library and he also worked at the student center. He learned music, a lot of things, how to manipulate. I, I don't even know, like I would have to look and find out exactly, but I know that he did speeches. He had to get up in front of the classroom. So he, he, did, he did quite a bit of academics at Winthrop as well, because it was okay. it was it was definitely academic based. Gotcha. And what is he doing now? I know he graduated that program. What yes. what is Christopher doing now? He's currently volunteering at the library. Okay, so he volunteers at the public library. Yeah, he volunteers and, at the public library. And then COVID came and that right. ended and he just started back again. Okay, and we're looking so. for employment as well. All right. So the beat goes on. Yes, the beat goes on and he still cannot tie his shoe. <laughs> but but one some, day. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. No, it's too late. My man went into van and he saw the shoes with the Velcro. And he says, those are the shoes I want. I was like, well, dude, we're going to have to see if they look <laughs> okay look on your foot with that size 13. Because <laughs> if it doesn't look right, you can't get them. We're going to have to mm -hmm. continue to work on these tie-ups. Mm -hmm. Good. And it's the style now. Look at that. All right. Well, we right in trend. Shoe. Right in trend. All yes. right. So, Becky, I want to, well, let me ask you, is there anything else that you would like to share with the good people of autism and color? I want to say to the parents out there, don't give up. Don't give in. No one can tell you what your child is capable of. You, when you put the work in, you will reap the benefits. And I have You'll to say... I'm sorry. I said you will say that part again. You will when you put the work in. Go ahead. You get you get out what you put in. So when okay. you put the work in, you will see your benefit. You will you will see you will reap what you've sown. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. right. So don't give up. Don't believe the doctors. You have to do what you have to do for your kid because you know them best. It, absolutely. We we are the professionals for our children, right? Yes, we are. Okay. And ABA was out back then and I wasn't a fan of it, but I am a fan of it today for the little kids. 
So okay. if you are looking for any kind of services for your child, I would recommend ABA, speech therapy, OT if they need it, PT as well if they need it. Those with those four, help me out. Those four entities, I don't even know if it's entities is the correct word, but okay. with speech therapy, well, occupational therapy, PT, physical therapy, and ABA. If you get those at those an early age for your kid, them. right, mm-hmm. it will be very helpful. It will be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much so. Be in tune to your child. Stay in tune to your child. Thank you so much, Becky. Thank you for sharing your journey, girl. We finally did it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I guess it was a long time coming. Hello, everyone. This is your girl, Siobhan, from Autism in Color. The mission of Autism in Color is to provide space for people of color who have autism or who have loved ones with autism to share their unique experiences, challenges, and triumphs. If you want your story to be heard, or if you know someone who has an autism story that needs to be heard, please contact us at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. That's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 704-835-3605. Share your story with our worldwide audience because at Autism in Color, we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color, calling all businesses, independent artists, and nonprofits. If you have a product, service, or music that the world absolutely needs to know about, contact Autism in Color. You can reach us at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. And you can call us at 704-835-3605. Again, that's 704-835-3605. Call us at Autism in Color because we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. And with our worldwide audience, we can put your business in the streets.